Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Union Podcast. This is Brian Pugh, and this is my wife, Bonnie. Hello. And we oversee a ministry called the Union Movement, and we love just to talk about uh, helping people find wholeness when it comes to sexuality, identity, relationships, and um, all those really intricate areas of life um, that can be really complicated at times. And uh, we're so glad that you've joined us here on the Union Podcast. And we would love it if you subscribe and share if this has been helpful to you or if this will be helpful to you. Maybe at the end, if you'd love to share this, this we would so appreciate that. Um, and tell your friends. Um, we we want to get this message out uh, before as, m- as many people as we can and to help people, uh, like I said, find wholeness in these areas. And so today we are kicking off um, kind of like a little mini series on the five keys for sexual health in a faith community. And uh, so we're going to jump in and kind of unpack some of these topics in these next few sessions. So I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Today we're going to be focusing in on one of the key, the key values that we have seen to be necessary to sustain sexual health in a community of faith. Um, so that one of those key, the key we're going to focus on today is about being gospel centered. And Brian and I, we are, you know, have been a part of a local church. I mean, for me, it's been my whole life, you know, and we've, and then Bri came to Christ, came to the Lord in 2003 and has been a part of the local church. And then we kind of, you know, we were in youth group together and just kept staying until they asked us to be youth leaders. And, and then Keep we were stacking chairs. That's right. There you go. But we just, I say that, you know, so then we've, now we're a part of the leadership team at, at our local church. So I say that because we are local church people. Mm-hmm. We really believe that even, you know, we're passionate about this idea of people finding a wholeness about around sexuality, but we believe that that is best sustained in a healthy local church setting because it really creates this family for the lonely to be like established in. So maybe you're a church leader, maybe you're a ministry leader, maybe you're a, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're a, you're a youth group volunteer. Maybe you're busy stacking chairs on a Tuesday night or something. Uh, these sessions are particularly with you in mind about mm-hmm. keys we want you to be looking for in your community of faith for the sake of sexual health. Because it's really important that we don't think of sexual health as just like a list of to do's and to don'ts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is don't commit adultery. So we think, okay, as long as I'm not committing adultery and probably not fornication, then we're sexually healthy. But we actually are seeing health in, we want to show that that health comes from a, a far more diverse, uh, like an environment with diverse characteristics. So absolutely. So the five keys, I'm going to say them off real quick, just at the beginning here, and then we'll dive into the one gospel centeredness. So number one, gospel centeredness. Number two, having a holistic approach. Number three, having a culture of honor. Number four, transparency. Number five, having a mindset for legacy, generational mindset. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about being gospel-centered. This isn't, we're not just talking about self-help. We're not just wanting, you know, oh, you know what? If you just do do all these little tricks, then you're going to have a happy little life. But actually, this is in coordination with our faith as disciples. and so. This is the, t- the tone that you would want to see in your church community is one of being non-jud- not judgmental, being compassionate, 
that there would be, um, you know, just people who aren't, aren't striving, who aren't punishing themselves, but are actually putting their trust in the finished work of Christ, that he took the judgment of our sins so that we could be free. So that's the focus. You know, that's the attitude that we want all the people to adopt. And that's the attitude when we're preaching or sharing or having a small group, that that would be how leaders are communicating about this. Absolutely. Uh, that it's trusting, like I said, trusting in the work of Jesus and believing that that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is happening from the inside out. And that as we have faith in Christ, it's going to naturally lead to our obedience totally. in these areas of sexuality. Like that not any, not one part of our life is off limits to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Because I think it's really easy to get into a rut where it's like, well, no, we just need to preach the gospel. People just need to hear about Jesus and, or they just need, we just need discipleship. So people need to have spiritual formation where they're praying and, Mm -hmm. and they're worshiping and they're serving and they're activated in their gifts. We don't need to talk about sex because that's, 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 it seems kind of like, like it's a peripheral thing. It's not really in the center of, of gospel, the gospel work and of discipleship within the local church. But if we look back in history, this was, this was the message of what Jesus could do. Like you look in the church in Rome, what Jesus would do for those who uh, were coming out of prostitution, coming out of just the Roman lifestyle and the Roman uh, kind of moral compass when it came to sexuality, like Jesus, the, the story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus and how God separates our heart from our history um, was just so key to um, to really the shaping of how the gospel moved through um, these, these kind of Greco Roman areas. So like um, I think it's all the more important to realize that, that like there isn't, there isn't another message, but this is part of the message, right? We're not talking about sexuality um, in relation to the gospel as if it's like an add on. It's just this, this is part of the story and, um, or this is part of the work of God in the local church and part of um, Jesus's story and, and what he's done to purchase us. So um I've often said that like when we're talking about this area, we can end up in one of two ditches and it's very evident. Both of these ditches are very evident um, in our day. Um, Number one is we can start to feel like we love God. We love people more than God does. And so we need to apologize for God and start crossing scriptures out of the Bible because it would um, put pressure on people living a certain lifestyle or living um, living in a way that would be contrary to God's design. And mm-hmm. so we, we feel like, oh, we got to apologize for God and we got we to cross scriptures out. Then there's this other side where we feel like we need to become activists and very politically driven um, because we think that somehow if we can make certain things illegal, that'll, ch- that'll change the desires of the human heart. That'll, if we make it illegal to do something in, in the land, then somehow that's going to change the hearts of the people who um, might be living that way. Um, I am full on supporting, uh, protecting those who are innocents and are protecting the innocence of those who cannot protect themselves. And that's why laws do exist. Um, but ultimately, when it comes to adult behavior and adult choices, uh, the gospel is actually what changes the hearts of the people. And I was, I was so struck um, in a conversation I had with a, a local pastor uh, just last week. He was talking about um, someone who was coming, um, coming to his church and uh, just started opening up 
to them about what was going on in their life. And even this pastor was just saying, like, as I was talking to this person, I started to get the sense that maybe this woman was actually a man. And sure enough, just a few moments later, as this person was sharing their story, um, she, they opened up about it, opened up about how they were living. And, and this person just said, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, what do I do now? Like, I want to follow Jesus and I want, I want to live, I want to, I want to know God and I want to grow um, in my relationship with Jesus. And this, they had kind of returned to faith and this is kind of part of their journey back. But, and I just love what this pastor said. He said, I want you just to be loved by Jesus and grow in love for Jesus. Um, and let the Lord kind of decide and, and really make those next steps clearly um, laid out for you and how, how you can best honor him um, with this area of your life. And it, they just stayed in community, stayed um, under solid biblical teaching and just, just healthy community and was really growing in the Lord. And this person came back to them later and said, you know, I want to live in line with the body that God's given me. And that, that's not easy. That's not, that's not a, you know, just a clear formula to work with people, but we need to be gospel centered is that Jesus heals us. Jesus, like he paid, paid for our, our past sin, our present sin and our future sin. And he is, he is the one who's going to continually be saving us. He is the one that is working to sanctify us and make us his. And so um, I was just so encouraged by that story. And um, I think we're going to see more and more of that if we are actually diligent to be preaching the gospel and be gospel centered and not be afraid to talk around, talk about sexuality. We're going to see more and more stories like that as the Lord uh, does what he does. Yeah. We're going to have to be ready with an answer that will direct people back to Jesus and his transforming work. And I love I love this story. It's a, it is a common one. You've, you've likely heard it before, but I want to highlight it right now in this, in this thought of being gospel-centered. Jesus himself, most gospel-centered you could be, but uh, one of the gospels records the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, caught a woman in adultery and dragged her out and kind of threw her in front of Jesus and demanded him to just lay a judgment on her. And there was silence. Jesus just kind of, I don't know. I mean, that would have been such an interesting moment to be a part of. I'm sure there's shifting. I mean, was Jesus thinking it through or was he just allowing the silence and the pause to, to create a heaviness in the moment? You know, there's this woman, she knows according to the law, she is, she would be stoned to death. And, uh, but Jesus then after a pause just says, okay, let the person who has not sinned, let them throw the first stone. It says one by one, all these teachers of religious law had to walk away. They knew that they were not innocent. And then Jesus just like looks at the woman and says, where, where are those who would condemn you? Now, of course, Jesus, he himself, like him representation right on earth of God, the father, like they have the ability to be the judge. They, they would rightfully be allowed to condemn. Jesus, where's, where's the one that would condemn you? And he says, I'm not, I won't either. I'm not condemning you, but now go and don't sin anymore. And I just love that he had such mercy mixed in with truth. 
right? Mm -hmm. John chapter one, it says that Jesus came in the fullness of truth and the fullness of grace. And what would it look like if our churches had this like wide open door, hospitable heart that would say grace, there's grace for everyone. There is nothing you have done that, that is too much for the work Mm -hmm. of Jesus. And, and yet also you, you will have to lay everything down and go and sin no more. And, uh, I just think it's a powerful thing. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, I think in the story, Jesus wasn't afraid to say, like, if you continue this way, there's actually going to be brokenness. There's actually going to be something worse that could happen. Right. You know, and so we have to be really bold and and honest and not, and again, not love people more than God does. Because here's God in the flesh telling a woman who's caught in adultery, uh, say, you know, daughter, like, where are your accusers, you know, but at the same time, like go and sin no more, but also like, don't mess around with this. Yeah. Right. Like I'm setting you free today and live free. Don't, don't go back to this. Don't go back because something greater or something worse could happen to you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that is the tension that we walk where we, we are, we are broken for people who, who Jesus's heart is broken for yet. We, we are broken people who don't, who are not, who are not smarter than God yeah. and who don't understand the human needs greater than, de- greater than God does. Yeah. And so we can't steer away um, from the truth yet can't steer away from compassion because yeah. those are two aspects of who Christ definitely is. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we recently released a, a tool that we're hoping is going to be really helpful for churches. Uh, just calling it the sexual health evaluation tool for church and ministry leaders. And it's honestly, we've tried to make it simple, concise, so that you're not bogged down with a bunch of papers. You can, you can find that survey, that evaluation, uh, right on our website, theunionmovement.com, <laughs> saying that funny, .com slash resources. It's right there. Uh, you could also find it on our Instagram, right in our profile. You can download it from there. Um, and it, it uh, highlights three different demographics. Um, different contexts within your church. First level being your church staff and leadership. Uh, Secondly, your general church community. And then thirdly, the families within your church community. And so uh, there's only 15 questions uh, and they are focusing on helping you evaluate the strengths and possible areas of vulnerability within, see how that's like a really kind way to say, not say weakness. Maybe I should have just said weakness. Maybe. Strengths and vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, in being gospel-centered, in having a culture of honor, being legacy-minded, being transparent, and having a holistic approach. So one of the questions that is in that survey, you can go download the whole thing, and then you can have you can work through it with your team. We'd love to even we could we'd love to go through the questions with you if you'd be interested in having a consultation, or you can go through the questions yourself and then reach out to us, and we'd be happy to create like a customized strategy for your church to mm-hmm. say like, Hey, here are some areas of vulnerability of weakness that we need, that you're realizing, like we need to kind of like strengthen these things. Totally. So then we can work with you to come up with a plan. Anyways. So one of the questions on that evaluation, we just are asking, do you know the testimonies of your team members? Do they know yours? Is there an intentional space to share what the Lord has healed and is healing? them from. And this is linked in with transparency as well, but I just wanted to include that because sometimes we can get so busy working with people that we don't even really know who they used to be 
or who they are at a deeper level, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the testimony is that bringing emphasis to the work of Jesus, the gospel-centered, yeah, the gospel-centered approach where we never forget that it is not by our own striving that we are who we are today. Totally. Because I think just in closing, like we've talked about this before, that you can be, you can be functional and not healed. So you might have a worship leader or a worship pastor or kids pastor who is just knocking it out of the park as far as tasks and administration and organization Mm -hmm. and developing teams and stuff like that. Yet their past is still reaching into the future, into their present and into their future in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways um, in the hidden places of their heart. Right. And, and there can be a, a pull towards a slavery kind of mindset where you're trying to earn your freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's why people work so hard. And even sometimes that can be the fruit or that can be the, the source that people are ministering out of is out of a place of trying to earn yeah. their forgiveness. And it's, it's our responsibility as leaders, uh, church pastors to, to be sensitive and to be discerning to that. And to not diminish the high level leadership that people might have, but also be willing to bring the reality of Jesus to someone's heart um, and to help them experience what true freedom in the adoption that Jesus gives us is all about. Right. So we thank you so much for checking out uh, this episode on gospel-centered healthy sexuality in your church context. And again, we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, you can reach out to info at theunionmovement.com, and we'd love to talk some more with you about this and help your church grow in sexual health. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.